guys awake? God bless you. How many of you brought your Bibles with you today? Got your Bibles? All right, bring your Bibles to church. And uh, man, it's an exciting time to be alive. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. Drop us a little note. Let us know where you're tuning in from. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here. It's a, a privilege to be able to stop weekly and do this. Um, you hear me very often remind you of our freedom that we have here, and we'll talk a little bit more about this today, but the freedom that we have here in our country, that you can walk in here. Nobody is going to arrest you or fight you coming in the building today. That's an incredible privilege, an incredible opportunity week in and week out to come here. And For those of you who may be experienced in different countries where it's not as free as it is here, my wife and I lived uh, in a country, she's from a country that um, does not permit this. So if we did this, we would just go to jail. That's what would happen. And so I'm, I'm not unfamiliar with that. And some of you have experienced that. And so I'm tenderhearted to that. I'm tenderhearted. The, uh, the, the Bible tells us that we should pray for the persecuted church. Um, I don't think we are persecuted yet, just so you know. Maybe some of you think we are. We're not yet. Um, I'm not sure if or when it will happen. That's not for me to worry about. My job is to follow the Lord, follow his commands, follow his word, live for him day in, day out, and he'll sort out the rest, right? So with your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of First Peter. We've been in this series. This is our fourth week. It's been great to just unpack this, and I'm excited to continue this on. Uh, while you're turning there, let me remind you what they just told you is that first Wednesday is happening this week. How many of you are planning to be here first Wednesday? Yeah, going to be a ton of fun. <clears throat> I know some of you are in Miami working. Make, make it. Just get here. Even if you're running late, get here. It's always a great time. It's fantastic. We love it. So this book, First Peter, obviously was written by Peter, uh, an apostle of Jesus, as he said in the first verse, one who helped take ground for the kingdom. Just a regular guy. It's a regular, regular, regular guy. That's why I, I feel like I connect with Peter on a lot of levels. But if you, if you really look at this, in the beginning of Peter's life, from his calling when Jesus said, hey, cast your nets on the other side. And he's like, I already did that. I'm, I'm the fisherman here. I don't even know who you are. You show up. You tell me how to do this. You know, but he does it. And, and, and Jesus uses that moment to touch Peter's heart. And he calls him from his vocation of fishing to be an apostle, to be one that would move the kingdom forward, to advance the gospel. And if you, you really look at the beginning of that, and even as he walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus, there's a preparation that's happening in Peter's life. I still don't think that you would come to the conclusion that he would write with such sincerity and such clarity in his life. I just don't think you come to that conclusion at the beginning. Probably like most of our lives, if you would have looked at us at the beginning, you would have thought, my goodness, and they... I can't believe they've, they've come so far. Praise God. You know, some of you run into old friends, and they're like, what happened to you? And you're like, Jesus happened to me. Thank God. You know, and he changed everything. Thank goodness. So Peter, you know, writes about this, and he indicates that, hey, man, we've got a call on our life, and the call is strong. And so when we talk about the big idea or the big theme in First Peter, it's really this, that you should live close to Jesus every day. Every day. You should live with the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what we talked about. The whole book of Acts, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Peter experienced that. A guy who was just a fisherman, touched by God, denies Jesus, as we've said over the past few weeks, frail in his humanity, but filled with power. And he, the guy who denies Jesus stands up on the day of Pentecost and preaches one of the greatest messages ever. 
And thousands of people meet Jesus that day. And, and forever is changed for all of those people. It's a, what an incredible moment. So Jesus um, took Simon, called him out of darkness, put him in his marvelous light, walked with him, instructed him, taught him, lived with him, and, and Peter stayed close. Peter stayed close. There was one point when, when, when Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water towards Jesus. Now we know he fell when he took his eyes off Jesus, but he did it. He walked on water. And so when we look at this passage, we say, man, we understand that we are called to something more than ourselves. We are absolutely called to more than ourselves. And it doesn't say, the word does not say, it will be easy. It didn't say, if you come to me, you'll have zero problems. If you, if you come here, all your friends and family will just come and they'll just make it easy in your life. He didn't say any of that. He said, press on, right? Stay the course, like run your race and I will be with you. That's the great promise of God. And so Peter continued to present this, this encouragement, but also this commitment to persevere, He's preaching this. He's challenging the church. And as we look at this, we know that we are to be different. We are to live holy in a, in a world that's really not holy. I want to ask you a question, and I want to come try to get back full circle with this. How many of you have a boss? Anybody have a boss that you got to report to tomorrow? Come on, raise your hands. Let me see. How many of you are the boss? All the ladies raise their hands. and like, that's me. I'm the boss. Right, um, halfway joking, but uh, and serious. I think we need leaders a lot more than we need bosses. And all of you are leaders. Some of you are in my group on Wednesday nights that we're we're doing twenty one laws of leadership in the Bible. Everybody we told you has is is leading in some way, shape, or form. John Maxwell says that leading is anytime you influence, right? Influence the thinking, behavior, and development of people. All of you are doing that. And so if you think of like, man, I got to report to my boss and I'm just so sick of reporting to him because he's a jerk. There's probably a lot of people in the room right now that are thinking that. And I want to I talk about that in just a little while. But before we get to there, I want to dive right in verse 11 and 12 where we left off last week to kind of get us back in the flow of things in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He said last week, beloved, I urge you as sojourners, and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war on your soul. This is important. We're saying, hey, we are putting away those things that are warring against us. And whether you know it or not, like sin is destroying you. Sin will absolutely destroy you. Even if you just say, well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just tasting it. No, it will get you. Nobody really starts at the beginning of their life and says, I hope to become an addict one day. I hope to become an alcoholic. I hope to, to, to become addicted to pornography. I, I, I can't wait to be a, a cheater in every way. Nobody says that. We just start out by tasting, right? Just tasting, doing a little bit here, tastier, tastier, tastier. Next thing you know, it's got you. That's how sin Sin does it, and it, and it grabs you, and, and people are gripped in that moment, and they need to be set, by free, set free by Jesus, which he does, and it's incredible. But what we ought to do is live the life that we are called to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Now, if you've tasted that, right, you need to taste something else. What we said last week, oh, taste and see what? That the Lord is good. And you'll say, man, once you've tasted his goodness, there's nothing that compares. 
There's nothing that compares. You say, that is, he is good. I just want him. And I'm encouraged and I'm challenged to continue to taste in the Lord's goodness and to be moved by him. But if you will understand that the enemy has total destruction for you. That's all he has for you. Right? But God has plans to prosper you, a future, a hope, a strength, eternity with him. And the real spiritual battle is on, church. It's on because society is pushing these, you know, really like what we said for years was, oh, well, that's a gray area. No, there is no gray area. There is no gray area. It's either holiness or it's not. And you might not like when I talk like this, but it's just the truth. It's just the word of God. You have to do this. And in the real spiritual battle, the strategy of the enemy is to get them, to get the people, and it will attack them at their weakest point, right? He'll just keep, keep pushing and keep hitting the weakest point until you cave on that, right? And then he's inside. He's just barraging that weak point in your wall, your spiritual wall. And this is why you have to live in proximity to Jesus every single day. This is why you have to read your word every day. This is why you have to worship every day. This is why you need accountability every day. Do you get the idea? This is what we are called to. He goes on in verse 12 and says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles. Keep your conduct. Act right. Act right. And what we said, he gave us this kind of things that should go away last week that we looked at, the malice, the envy, the slander, all these types of things that should go away. Your conduct should be becoming of someone who says, I, I love Jesus. Jesus changed my life. Well, be changed then. Be changed. Do things differently. And if you do that, your light will shine, as Matthew says it will. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what will happen. You will put these things aside, the worldly things. We're going to go after Jesus. And as you get close to him, you can't help but shine. It's not your shine. Look how good I am. Look how good I've become. No, it's look how good he is. And so when people begin to say, man, I see you Maybe you run into your friends. What happened to you? Again, you testify, Jesus happened to me. And they're like, well, I see something different. You're like, praise God. You should just see something different because he has totally changed me. Everything is different. And he will visit people that you are ministering to like that. First Peter chapter 2, let's pick up in 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now, today's going to be a challenge, and here's why. is because we are in a very divisive time. We, have, we are in a time when it, it seems like many in positions of authority or power, elected positions, have tried to overstep their bounds at times. And so as we push this in, we, we read from Peter today, and we're challenged as Christ followers, to take a stand first and foremost against sin, but also to submit to, here's the key word, lawful authority. Now, we need centralized government. I don't think anybody here is, I don't say the word dumb, but dumb enough to, to really want anarchy. I'll tell you a story. I remember a, a kid, I'll, I'll say his name, I don't care, Keith Nickmeyer. I think he's saved now, praise God. But it was a kid, he was a punk kid, like all of us in high school, and Keith, I remember we just got these brand new lockers, and Keith was a big kid. He was a big kid, and I remember him scratching the anarchy symbol, right, on the new lockers, 
right? We know what anarchy is, right? Like no law, just order, chaos, right? Just anything. And I remember our principal grabbed Keith by his T-shirt and picked him up. You can't do this anymore because you'll go straight to jail. But back in the day, it was like, all right, they'll just beat your brains out. <laughs> How many of you were beaten in school growing up? Anybody? Right? <laughs> and like, man, he, he picked him up and he got right in his face and we were all watching like, wow. He said, you really want anarchy? Because if you want anarchy, I'll just beat your brains out right now and nobody will do a thing. That's anarchy. So he didn't really want anarchy. He was just a punk, right? So we don't, we don't want that. So Peter's like challenged to take a stand against sin, but we submit to authority that is lawful and falls under God's thing. Now, I'm not talking about mandates and things like that, which will come later on. We'll talk a little bit about those. And this is not a political discussion, but Peter is talking politically here. We know as, as a group of believers, we come together and we are strengthened to take a stand again, first and foremost, against sin. We come here and I tell you, hey, this is it. This is what the word of God says. Be different, live different, live holy. How that plays out in your everyday life is a little bit different. We, we are to be subject to authority. So drive the speed limit. <laughs> it's the law. And we got a lot of police officers in the room today. I shook hands with several of them. Um, I'm not going to raise your hands because they'll start passing out tickets in this place. <laughs> We should obey, right? There's a reason those things are in place. You know, you say like, well, I'm a better driver because I pay attention because I drive. No, it's to stop, right? Because if you don't have a structure in place, then anything is like, okay, what's good for you? And it's like saying your truth and your truth and your truth. No, there's no truth. Truth is we should, we should do the things that have been put in place for us. They're, they're for us. Now, I'll tell a story on myself. I got a ticket the other day for not wearing a seatbelt. I don't know why you guys are cheering for that. That's, it's like, that's messed up. <laughs> it's hurt, you know? And, it, and it, here's why it hurt is because I had to pay the fine for that, right? That, and it goes like, I'm like, that was for nothing. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like I went and I bought some good steak for 180 bucks and filled my stomach. It was like, there you go, $180. Oh, praise God. I'm so thankful for that. But that was my fault. It wasn't anybody else's fault. That was my fault for not obeying this thing. And so I, sh I should have been subject to this. Now, now, Simon Peter is writing to this, and he's writing to the Gentiles and the Jews, the people that have become the church. But the Jewish people would have thought this has been ridiculous because he's writing at a time when the Roman Empire is in command. This is not a democracy. It's not a democracy. This is a, a man who's saying this is how it is, and that, that goes down the line to these provinces and all the way, and they were recognized as the legitimate authority. Why? Because if you didn't listen, you'd be hanging on a cross. <laughs> that will instill some fear in some people. So because Peter writing them, now he's saying, hey, give, give it to God. Give it to God. And you'll see why as, as we submit to this stuff in, in just a minute. And he begins to talk about our conduct or our lives as citizens now. And we looked at some of the behavior issues last week. We're going to talk about our conduct as citizens, and we are responsible, right, to live well, to live well in this society. Be a, be a contributing member of society. And when I say be a contributing member of society, if I'm talking to Christ followers in the room, I would say, let's make it better. Let's make it better. Make your workplace better. When you walk into a room, just make it better. When you leave, 
Pick up a piece of trash. It's better than when I leave. People shouldn't, as we said a couple weeks ago, they shouldn't look at the church and say, eh, everybody's a hypocrite in the church. We know that we are. We know that. But what if we begin to shift that perspective? And people are like, well, thank God life points here. They're going to help with some things. That's, the, that's what I want. And what, what, if this, what if this church failed to exist, like it just went away tomorrow? What would Homestead miss about us? What would they miss about us? Sunday service? I mean, I love Sunday service. I'm, I'm so thankful that we can come and get encouraged together as we open up the Word together. But is that it? Or is it that, that bunches of you, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you, go out weekend and you just live out the commands of Jesus. You live out the love of Jesus. You come and get encouraged in this place and you testify and people come here. And, and I'm privy to a lot of information. I get a lot of stories in this place and God is changing a lot of people. Man. And it's really, really incredible to be a part of. But, but when we talk about the responsibility, it's not just because I'm afraid of going to hell. I don't want to go to hell. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to go there, right? That, that is a motivation, but it's not the only motivation. The real motivation is the love of Jesus that I've tasted. And if I begin to love him like I'm supposed to, the natural outflow of my heart will be to make the, the space, my life, the city better. And there's going to be some human government involved. And no, they're not perfect. No, they're not perfect. But I think we've spent a lot of time over the past few years just hating and slandering and gossiping when we should have been praying for them. You might not like them. You might not like them. That's, that's fine. You get to like whoever you want, but you are called to pray for them. And if God can change a heart like Paul, and he can change a heart like Rich Witter, then my goodness, he can change the heart of any politician in this country, and he can change their course and how they vote and how they live out their own lives. We are to honor God by doing it this way. 15 says, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. The foolish people are hanging, hanging on something. They're waiting for you to make a mistake as a Christ follower or as a Christian. Yes or no? Some of you have experienced that. You got mad and you dropped the F-bomb on somebody. They're like, I thought you were a Christian. You're like, I am. I make mistakes, but I am. And they don't understand that you're in process, right? You're, you're a work in progress, that you're under construction. They don't understand that, and, but, but there's a call. This is why the call of holiness is there. And so, man, don't, don't give them any excuse. I always tell the staff, people are, people are going to shoot at you. Don't give them ammunition. Don't, don't, don't load the hypothetical gun for them because they're going to they're gonna accuse you of something. They're going to come at you with something. Don't, don't give them the gun. They're giving them all the ammunition, and they come firing at us. Listen, we 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 got to do good. We got to live righteous. We got to be holy. We got to do these things. And when you do that, people start silencing. They don't know what to say to that. Well, we say, kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Just continue to show the love of Jesus. Continue to minister to them. Continue to pray for them. They oh, don't pray for me. And like, okay, I'm still praying for you. But you're just living and you're just loving and you just keep and, and, and God will do the change and he will silence them. In this section, Peter's argument really leads and he, he's heading towards somewhere that, hey, it's not always going to be easy. But when you, when you face lies, when you face slander, when you face worse persecution, you're going to be okay. 
And as we said many times, even if you're not okay, it's going to be okay. But Peter knew, Peter knew this. He knew that one of, one of the best ways to defend the gospel is to live well. Is to live well. Live righteously. Live holy. That's one of the best things. You don't have to defend the gospel, but you should be ready to defend the gospel. God can take care of himself. You don't need to fight with people on social media. You don't know. No, no, no. You start these arguments with people about that doesn't help anything. Just live your life. Live your life for God. Live your life for God. Live your life for God. Holiness, righteousness, consistency, all the way there. And people start going, they quit, they quit firing shots at you because they look foolish at that. They look foolish. 16 says, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Now, if we talk about liberty, freedom, you have to be real careful with this. This is where we go from, you know, the, the truth, like some of your heavy truth people. It's like truth, 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 and no grace, right? You have people like that in your life just banging you about the head. You need to get your life right. Uh, you're a sinner. You're going to hell, and you're like, oh, my goodness. How many of you grew up super scared all the time of, of God, right? We'll talk about that in a minute. But this is, this is also, we can't go all the way to hyper grace. Well, it's like, I've got liberty. I've got liberty. And as we said a bunch of times here, grace is there what? It's there if you sin, not so you can sin. You understand that? It's there if you sin. Oops, I fell down. Okay, well, don't fall down again. Right? Don't do that. Don't make the same mistake again. Do something different. It's okay to make mistakes. Just make new ones. Right? But live holy. Do righteous. And we submit. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't do away, right, with our Christian liberty. All the civil laws, all the things that are in place are in place for us. And laws, these are these system of rules that societies have, uh, whether they're in our country or they're in our area here. And um, it, helps us, it helps us stay in check. Right? It helps us stay in check so we act right. Now, these mandates that have come become very popular over the last season, that's not a law. That's something different. Now, it can be sometimes punishable in this. I'm not going to pick on this mandate or that mandate. What I'm going to say is let your conduct and your attitude be becoming of Jesus. If you want, if you want to follow this mandate or not, we're not to come against each other. We're not to let it be divisive, which is the plan of the enemy, by the way, is always to divide and conquer. It's never. Jesus said in John 17 when he prayed, what did he pray? Make them one. Unify them. He's like, yo, you don't do this and you don't do this and, you do, and this is how you vote and this is how you vote. And all of a sudden we're all just separated and the enemy's like, awesome, that's what I wanted. So like you have different ideas about things. I don't care. I don't care. What, what I'm going to try to do is love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, right? With, with everything that's inside of me. That is an eternal focus of mine. I mean, and it starts right now, and it is challenging. You want to argue over doctrine? You want to fight and talk about this thing or that thing? I'm, not, I'm probably not going to spend a lot of time doing it with you. I will sit down and discuss, and I do have doctrine, and I think it's strong doctrine, and I think I can defend it, but I'm just busy trying to serve the Lord. I'm just really busy trying to do that. And if we will do that, we'll spend a lot less time separating, right? And the enemy is just trying to do this with us, right? And so we look at these things and these things that I think society, if you're not careful, this is why you have to pay attention to what's coming down the path because there is an encroachment 
There is an encroachment of the enemy. He uses people to do this, people who aren't serving him, to overstep their bounds to grab freedom. And if you're not careful and if you're not paying attention, right, you're, you're, you're going to be encroached on. The next thing you know, you're on your heels. You're on your heels, right? And if our freedoms go away, we know we can track this in history. They don't come back. I'm not talking about your spiritual freedoms. I'm talking about the liberty that we have in this country. We, we know that. You can follow it all around the world. It's happened all over in different civilizations. Um, I'm talking about government oversight, and I'm not trying to incite anything. I'm not trying to be crazy. I'm just looking at what this scripture is talking about. But here, Christian freedom, listen to this. It's always, always, always massaged with Christian responsibility. You have a responsibility to pay attention. Don't just... Oh, whatever this person says, whatever this is, pay attention. The, the, the question is, what does he say? I don't care what they say. What does he say, right? I listened to Pastor Samuel Rodriguez last night. Some of you know who he is. And he said, I went, he's, this is him talking. He said, I went to a church, and they said, our church leans left. Where do you lean, Pastor Sam? And he said, I sat there for a second, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, I don't lean anywhere. I stand on the word of God. And if God says it's a sin, it's a sin. I won't but I'm not leaning this way or that way. I'm standing on the righteousness of God. I'm standing on the holiness of God. My life is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's on my, my home is being built, or forever home, on the rock of Jesus. I'm not going to be twisted. I'm not going to build on the sand. And if you think that this person has an answer or that person has an answer, you're already lost. None of them have the answer. Jesus is the answer. That's what we have to hold on to in this next season. Live as free men. Hold on to that freedom, right? But sometimes we, we have to go to work and work for the boss, and you don't feel like you're free, <laughs> right? Our freedom that we have is not to live for ourselves. It's to live for Jesus, right? And living for Jesus will always make the difference. Living for you won't make a difference. You can see that. You know how quickly, I hate to burst your bubble, you know how quickly you will be forgotten? I'm, I'm guessing most of you in this room couldn't tell me what your great-grandfather's personality was like. Probably a lot of you couldn't tell me what your grandfather's personality was like. You know how quickly we are forgotten? This is why we need to live for the Lord. And, and, and people always, like, remember how you made them feel, right? They will. They don't remember really what you say or what you do too much. They'll remember how you make them feel. This is why our conduct is important. This is why how we live as citizens on this earth is important. It's like, hey, man, I, I, your boss might be a jerk. He might be the worst person in, in the history of Homestead or South Florida. But he will remember how you reacted to his bad behavior. He will remember how you made him feel, how what Peter says, it will silence the foolish hearts. It will silence them as you continue to just, okay, right, I'm listening to you. I'm not going to do anything illegal for you. By the way, if, if your boss tells you to do something illegal, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You're like, well, I could lose my job. Well, then so be it. And if you, if you don't think that God can't get you another job, right, or can't get you another job, right, then, then what are we even doing here? It's like, oh, he's the almighty, but I better do this or I'm going to lose my job. 
That doesn't even make any sense. Of course, he's going to take care of you. Stand for righteousness. 17 says this. There's four things here. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Man, this is tough. This is, like, let's, be, let's be honest as we unpack this, right? Let's unpack this. First, we as Christ followers should respect everyone. And here's the truth. We struggle with that. We don't respect everyone. I mean, let's be honest. We're, some of the worst cases like just push us to the limit as Christ followers. You know, we do buy a tree, change a life every year. We sell trees to raise money, you know, for orphans. Like we do that. We had like a tent out there and it was amazing. Like last year, like 1.30 in the afternoon, we're literally getting ready to go out there. This is gross, but this is what happened. Somebody went out there and they defecated inside of the tent and they used the buy a tree shirts to clean themselves. Yeah. Let's be, I'm going to be honest with you. Do you think I had a lot of respect for that person in there? See, what I, failed, what I failed to do in that moment when I got so mad at whoever this person was, I failed to see them as someone that was made by God for God. Lost, broken, crazy, bound up in chains, probably afflicted in their mind and in their body in a lot of ways still created by God for God. Now, that's an extreme scenario, but when your boss is acting like a maniac, treating you harshly, breathing down your neck, challenging you, testing your coworker, testing your patience, are you looking to them as somebody who was made by God for God? Or just, you know what, I'll punch that person in the face, which is, if we're honest, something that happens. We would never say that out loud. I would because... <laughs> it's like it happens, right? It's like we're challenged with that, but honor and respect everyone. These are the marks of, of a true Christian. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo. I'm not talking about fake honor. Oh, you're the best. No, you're the best. No, seriously, you're the best. You're the man. No, you're the man. Love you, bro. You're the king. Mire. <laughs> this is like this is like it's going down we're just building each other and if it's real then praise God but if it's if it's not let's stop that because we're really viewing it and I'm asking God in this next season to help my spiritual vision that as I look at people no matter no matter what's ailing them no matter what addiction, no matter homeless, not homeless, whatever, that I won't see them as what they look like, but I'll see them as God sees them. And I'll be going to respect them as that. That's a, this is a powerful, powerful thing to pray. Second thing is Christians are to love the brotherhood of believers. They're brothers and sisters in Christ, God's family members. We should show love to each other. I get it. You don't like everybody in this room. There's probably people in this room who had beef in the past. It's homestead, and it's a room full with a lot of people. <laughs> That's just the truth. <laughs> like, I see sometimes stuff happen. I'm just watching people, and I'm like, oh, like, yeah, that. Um, 
but we're all redeemed. God changes people, right? We are to love, love, love. I'm not saying you have to hang out with everybody, that you're best friends. I'm not talking about that, but we are to love the brotherhood, and we should have love for each other. Third, Christians are to fear God. Christ followers are to fear God. Fear. I'm not talking about the terror. Remember I asked you earlier how many of you grew up afraid of God? I grew up like afraid of God. Like old school, you've heard me say this before. I was a teenage boy, all hormonal. Look, look at a girl like, oh, she looks good. And then like, oh, I'm going to hell right now. God's sending me to hell right now. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want to, you know, lay down like that. I don't want to put my head on the pillow. Afraid. And there should be some of that. Not going to hell is a great motivator. But that's not the outflow of a heart who loves God and has experienced his love. What we want to do here is we want to be in awe of him. And if we just sang this song, there's glory and honor and power forever, and his, his presence filled the temple. I'm not talking about just his presence filled this room. You are the temple. I said, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So if you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and his, his presence fills the temple, then why would you put anything else in the temple that doesn't belong there? Got to go. Something has to change. Something Like I don't want to put anything in there, right? There's something that is producing repentance that lead to salvation that Paul told the, the church at Corinth. And, and listen, you are never going to be able to truly love people. I'm talking about the brotherhood or respect people or honor like you're supposed to unless you do it to the Lord first. You won't be able to do it. You can have fake stuff. Is what, this is what messes up the, mere, the image of the church to the world because we're like, we're love, we're love, we're love, and then we go out and we don't do love. Right? Read 1 John 4, 7 and 8. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. Why? For God is love. Right? Beloved, let us love one another. Love, love, love. The last thing is that we are to honor the king. We are to honor the king and the respect, honor that is due and placed in authority. Now, we know that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Honor him with your life. But verse 18 says this, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also the unjust. Now, some of you love your boss. Like, you love your boss, and he's great, and you're like, I will, man, I'm going to be with you, you know, all the way we're going. We're going to build this thing together. I trust you. Thanks for loving me. But some of you have a guy who's not that awesome or a girl. And they're just weighty, and they're, they're heavy, and they're, they're harsh, right? It's, it's unjust, and it's challenging that we have to submit that. The word for the word, uh, the Greek word for, the, for harsh here is, is the same word for scoliosis. It means they don't, they don't know. They're bent. Their, their spine, their spiritual spine is crooked. So why would we expect them to act like Jesus when they've never professed Jesus at all? I don't, like, I don't expect people to act like Jesus if they, if they have. I expect the world to act like the world. I'm not shocked when people cut me off and the kids in the back seat give me the finger. That's what the world is teaching each other. I'm, I'm shocked when people are like, Jesus, 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 precious Jesus, and then they do that. That's shocking to me. Scoliosis. If, if, if your boss has scoliosis, spiritual scoliosis, pray for them. Pray for them. I'm talking about every day. Pray for them. And then live in a way that silences their harshness. Don't have to do anything illegal. We just need to have a heart of a Christian. 
19 says, for this gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Ooh. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. What is that talking about there? So if you sin, if I sin, all right, if I didn't wear my seatbelt, then I got to pay the fine, right? You know why that feels so bad? Because I told you earlier, because like I have nothing to show for it. I didn't follow the rules. I paid the penalty and I have nothing to show for it. What, what, what's the credit in that? Nothing was stored up in heaven because I paid the $180 fine. Now I'm talking about the spiritual component of that. When you, when you sin and you suffer for that sin, there's nothing stored up for you in heaven for that. However, the opposite of that is when you suffer things for what you didn't do, then you have a credit in heaven. That's like the martyrs, the ones who have stood for Jesus while they cut their heads off, while they beat them, while they burned them at the stake, while they tortured them, while they boiled them in oil, while they ran them through with spears, while they cut their heads off, while they threw stones at them. Those guys have a credit in heaven. And I don't want to compare all of those things that I just mentioned to like my boss cusses at me, which nobody likes. But the calling is the same, faithfulness. The calling to, to pray for those people, your enemies, the people who persecute you. Feed them, clothe them, love them, turn the other cheek. This is the hard stuff. That, that is the credit. That is the credit in heaven. 21 says, for this, for this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. I'm not trying to get you to, like, oh, let me suffer for, for Jesus. The point is not to suffer. The point is, if you have to suffer, do it well. That's the point. Whatever comes your way, just, okay, I can, I can take it. I can take it. I've got, I've got strong spiritual shoulders. And I think in society, we've become softer than we've been in a very, very long time. It's soft. Any time somebody says something to somebody, it's like, I'm so offended. Who cares? Nobody cares if you're offended. I hate to break it to you. Nobody cares. I'm so offended. So? I'm going to tell you, get over it. Right? It's not just the Don Henley song from the Eagles. Get over it, right? It's, it's like, get over it. Get over yourself, right? Quit being so offended. Have some grit and determination. You know, my boss was really hard today. Again, he's not a Christ follower. What do you expect? What did you expect from him? We got different activist groups that are reporting suffering and discrimination while there's zero discrimination. And then discriminating. <laughs> it's like, you guys need to be tolerant. We're totally intolerant, but you need to be tolerant. This is, this is the behavior of a crazy, crazy world. And it's a confusing time for many people. But listen to this. As people like Peter and the people that we are called to be, close proximity to Jesus, those people aren't confused. I'm not confused about society things, societal norm shifting. I just, I'm, not, I'm not confused by that. I'm like, oh, maybe we should, no. Word, it doesn't line up with this, out. Yeah, but, no, I know, yeah, but. 
It's like little people with big butts. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like B-U-T, right? It's like they got all these butts. Yeah, but, 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 but. You know, there's no butts. It's just the word. It's just Jesus. And if you will live for him, you will have a clear sight. You will have a clear purpose. You will have a clear hope. And that is what Peter said earlier will not be put to shame. Will not be put to shame. You have to endure some things. Let me read real quick. I got to get through this. He committed no sin. Talking about Jesus. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Quoting from Isaiah 53, Hebrews chapter 12. So looking to Jesus, the, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. This same Jesus in verse 23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. This, this is such, honestly... This is such wild behavior for us. It's so hard. It's so hard. He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued in trusting himself to him who justifies, who judges justly. Listen to that again. As they beat him, as they, they pulled out his beard, as they cussed him, as they mocked him, as they held him in front of everybody, as they kept him sleepless, as they spit in his face, as they did all of this, that he didn't even say anything. Just, you know how hard that is? Some of you are real mouthy. That's me. I'm real mouthy. And I have to like, mm. and the best thing, sometimes people see me and they're like, why are you so quiet? So, so I don't say something stupid. Because once it's out, you can't get it back. You're like, then you have to come back and like, I'm so sorry I said that. But if it's in here, they don't know that. It's between you and God at that point. Because <laughs> like, God, forgive me of that, what I said in there. It's like, you know, it's, it, we're humanly speaking here. But what Jesus did, he, he went like, this is coming at me. There's a lot coming at me. Not just all this crazy stuff and these people hurling stuff at me physically, but the, 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 the past, the present, and the future sin of all humanity is coming at me, right? And I didn't, I didn't, and he didn't complain. He didn't whine. It wasn't like, this is so hard. It wasn't like, I'm so offended. I'm so offended. I'm innocent here. This is like unjust. He says what he did here is he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. This is all unjust. I'm not going to say anything about it because he's got me. He's got me. And people start changing your perspective like this. Listen to 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. God was judging justly. He, he just used Jesus to help us to do it. Oof. He himself this stresses Jesus' involvement in your life. It's our sin. Jesus makes it personal. Our sin, my sin, Jesus makes it personal. He suffered so that it would be possible to follow his example to do it well. So you don't get to walk out of here tomorrow and go like, my boss is so mean. I'm just going to be like, you know what? I'm just looking dead in his eye if he's cussing you out tomorrow. And you just pray for him right there. Just pray for him. You don't have to, you can do it in your mind. God knows in heart. Stand with me real quick. I want to end with this, this last verse here. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. 
I just want to make sure I know who I'm talking to. How many Christ followers we have in the room? Come on, raise your hand. I actually want to see him. Okay, good. He's talking to you. For you were straying like sheep. All we, you can put them down. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Now back to the first question. How many of you have a boss? <laughs> right? Better question. How many of you have an overseer of your soul? That feels better than a boss, doesn't it? He's, he's not your boss. He's the overseer of your soul. Wow. That, that, that's good news because that means if today goes wonderful, he's overseeing. If tomorrow goes terrible, he's overseeing. If this whole thing collapses, he's overseeing. I don't know about you, that just does something for me. Jesus was the perfect example of living. He was the perfect example of suffering. He was the perfect example of dying. And he was the perfect example of living again. If you have given your life to Jesus, live again. Live again differently. Let him change everything with you and how you act in society. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, in a room full of people, I'm very aware that there's a lot of tension with authorities. Not just governmental agencies, but bosses, households, all kinds of stuff world is full of imperfection but we need to be full of you who is perfection you bore our sins you became sin that we might become your righteousness you have taken care of it so father I pray for every single person in this room I pray they will become who you have called them to be, that they will walk and talk and live as you have called us to, that we will change the environment that we go into. It may seem dark at work, but if they are there as light, it cannot be completely dark, that we will live with the conduct that we should, that our behavior will model your behavior, that we won't fight back with words, we won't slander back, we'll just love. We'll just love. Thank you for changing our hearts, God. Make us more like you. We believe in our hearts. We confess with our mouth that you are Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for making a way to be the Lord of our lives. Let the, the fruit of the Spirit grow in our lives love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Let it be evident to those around us and let that be the silencing tool in their lives. We love you, Lord. We honor you with our life. No matter where we're at, have your way. We pray all this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank God for his word. I would say thank you hang on real tight don't get all too excited about leaving i would say like god bless the miami dolphins i just don't think he cares that much he does care a little bit
all the Cowboys fans are like, ah, you know, <laughs> which we have a lot of those too. We're praying for you guys. And uh, <laughs> Seriously, I hope you guys have a lot of fun today. Honor the Lord with your life this week. Amen. We always pray our benediction. Let it be true in your life. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you guys. Love you.